A few weeks ago, as we started on this uh, mindset, or probably even longer, on grace, and we've kind of just kind of walked through grace, I needed to get that out of me and uh, enjoyed doing that. So I want to today to back up a little bit and look at a large picture. What is it all about? Why, why is all of that so important when we talk about prayer and Bible reading? And why is it so important to have community? Why is it so important to listen to the Spirit and be filled with the Spirit and walking in the Spirit? Why is all of that so important? Because believe it or not, the world is going to bring a lot of stress in your life. Whether you know it or not, troubles are coming. Storms, if you want to call them. The Bible uses all different uh, scenarios. Jesus puts his disciples through all different types of situations. Storms are always the, the big one because that just seems like nothing you can control. There's nothing you can do about it. And life many times is going to send that your way. Well, then as a Christian, how are we to look at the political landscape? And how are we to look at the social landscape and, and all the stuff that the school systems are trying to push through and, and all the craziness that we see in our world and we think as a Christian, what in the world is going on? How do we live knowing that some of this is going to impact us, knowing that our storms are going to come? How do we prepare? How do we face it? Well, I want to show you this morning as we kind of jump into this thought I want to entitle this, and just in my mind, I just, this is just kind of what kept coming out. I just kept saying, I don't think so. Look at the person beside you and say, I don't think so. To be able to look at the situations that you're going through, the circumstances, the trials, whatever temptation, and be able to say, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think this is the way it's going to happen. That is a key to life. That is a but it takes a specific mindset, the things I told you about, about grace, operating to create a life. And so let me, as we move in our Bibles this morning, go with me to Matthew 6, verses 25 through 34. And of all the things that Jesus asks of me, if, if someone was to say, well, would you die for the Lord? Lord, dying would be so much easier than having to keep doing all the stuff I'm doing. I, I get to go home. Now, death is not a problem, and, 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 and just living for the Lord is not a problem. If, if it's just saying, oh, I want to get up every day and read my Bible and, and, and love the Lord and, and go to church and listen to the music and listen to sermons and just float around online at different preachers or whatever it might be, man, I, I can do that. That's not a problem. But it's the one thing that Jesus asked when I get all the pieces put together that I have to keep repetitively dealing with. And this is it. It is being able to live my life day to day, moment to moment, in the middle of whatever God puts me in. And maybe you're that person this morning that's like, okay, what's, what's getting me is I don't know how this is going to turn out. And what's getting me is I don't know what all is going on. I don't, I don't know how God's going to fix don't. I don't know if God's going to fix this. I don't know... And it's the struggle of being in something and having to walk through it and just realize, as the old timer once said, that I can just live one breath at a time. Anything more than that is beyond me. He was asked, could you live for God for a week? He said, a week's a long time. I don't think so. 
you think you can live for God for a day, just one day, 24 hours? He says, man, there's a lot happens in a day. Ask Job. He said, how about an hour? Man, I don't know what the next phone call is going to be. He said, but I know I can live for the Lord my next breath. And life is like that. And sometimes the thicker the problem, the harder the storm, the more we have to grasp that very moment. And I want to show you today how Jesus taught something that's really hard for me even today. Here's what it says. Therefore, I say unto you, Tim, do not worry about your life, what you will eat and what you're going to drink, nor about your body, what you will put on or or, or life is life more is not life more than food and body more than clothing. Look, look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Yet, yet your heavenly Father Tim feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they are? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to your stature? So, Tim, why do you worry about clothes and consider the lilies of the field, how how they grow and they neither toil nor spin? And yet I say to you, Tim, that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if I've clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will I not much more clothe you, Tim, O ye of little faith? Therefore, don't worry, Tim, saying, what shall we eat and and what shall we drink or what are we going to wear? For all these things the Gentiles, others seek for, Tim. For your heavenly Father knows you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for today is its own trouble. We plan vacations. We plan, Lord, we're already preparing for next Christmas. And and the world works so fast, by, by July, there'll be Christmas stuff out in Walmart. It'll all be six months ahead. It was amazing how I went right after Christmas and Valentine's stuff was already out. Wasn't even New Year's yet and Valentine's. The world moves at this kind of pace and we get caught up in it and before long we just get so desensitized that we really don't take advantage of the moment. We just try to survive. And in fact, that's the way most of us live our Christian lives, just just trying to survive, wishing our life away, wishing if we could just get through this, if we could just get these kids grown up, if we could just get through this, if we can just make it past it, if I could just get some tires on my truck, if I could just... We wonder why we don't enjoy life. We wonder why... If I could just pass this storm, then I'll be okay. Can I break it to you? There's just going to be another storm. There's just going to be something else that's going to go wrong. I was in my truck the other day, and I was driving. And I'm thinking everything's good, and the light pops on. It says, you need to change your oil soon. It's amazing how you don't have to look for it. You don't, it's just like the next thing, the next thing, 
the next thing. And we get up in the morning grumbling because it's like, not because of what we have to do right at the moment, but because we have woke up and started to take out of bed with us three months worth of what we got to get done. And 12 people and all the stresses and all the worries. And to be able to just reach a point where we can look at life and say, I don't think so. Go with me in your Bibles to the book of Acts. I'm going to use this kind of as a backdrop to what I want to say. Acts 27, verses 21 through 25. The Apostle Paul has a moment. And we love this story, but it's, it's in the middle of this, this moment that he shows us, and we could use several other stories, the technique of living life. Here's what it says. But after a long absence from food, then Paul stood in the midst of them and said, Men, you should have listened to me and not have sailed from Crete and incurred this disaster and loss. And now I urge you to take heart, for there is... There will be no loss of life among you, but only the ship. For there stood by me this night an angel of God in whom I belong and in whom I serve, saying, do not be afraid, Paul, you must be brought before Caesar. And indeed, God has granted you all these who sail with you. Therefore, take heart, men, for I believe God, that it will be just as he told me. I want to show you four things that you have to be able to do that I've had to learn through years of how to be able to do life moment by moment, phone call by phone call, one text by one text, whatever's coming next. How do you do that? Because it's, it's bad enough to deal with your own life, isn't it? And if that was the case, I would say, well, I'm going to teach you just, but the beauty of my life is, is that I get to deal with every one of your lives and my life. Now, that's not to brag. That's just to tell you that there's something I know that you need to know because if you're just going to survive your stuff, forget who else is in the hospital, forget who else has just died, forget who else is family struggling, forget who others, just you. I'm going to give you four things, and if you can perfect these things, not only can you care about yourself, but you'll be able to care about a larger group of people than just you. You say, well, Pastor, you sure? Well, I've been doing this for 29 years nearly, so I guess i got a track record. That's nothing about me. It's a specific things that you must do to invoke grace, as we talked about. We know we got to pray, we know we know we got to do our Bible reading, we know we got to have the Holy Spirit, and we know we got to have community. But now God says, now Tim, storms are coming. What are you going to do with storms? Number one, if you're going to survive storms, if you're going to overcome storms through the Apostle Paul or through life, then the first thing you're going to have to realize is, is that you're going to have to focus on the things that are calming. What things in your life are calming? Here's what the Bible says. Go into Philippians 4 and 8. Philippians 4 and 8. 
finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and there be anything praiseworthy, meditate on what? On these things. Our problem in our society today is we're caught up in the noise. The noise of music. I mean, just just banging music and you can't understand half of what's being said. It's not even really any song. It's It's just gibberish. It's just somebody sharing their feelings. Here, would you like to know how I felt when I broke up with my boyfriend? Well, here's what I'm gonna share and I'm gonna write it in a song. Can y'all relate? Yeah. So we just hear noise. We, we, we flip through our phone hours by hours by hours, just noise. How much Facebook can I get? Oh, I'd love to bake that cake. Oh, I didn't know she went there. Oh, I didn't know they did that. Oh, man, that's a cute picture. Oh, like, love. We're in a frantic pace. And the one thing we don't have in our life is anything calming. You know what we consider calming? Watching more TV. We consider calming, I just want to sit here and play on my phone. Think of how your brain never slows down. Never just rests. And if it doesn't have anything, you come up with something to think about. What is it in your life that is calming? What is it that you do that relaxes you? One of the things that we lost in our generational passing on was the fact that others in our, in our past, our grandfathers and others, they had the ability to rest. They knew how to slow down. They took us fishing. They took us hunting. Lord, we work till we're 75 now. We don't, we don't retire or slow down. We still are chasing. Because we bought a house that was 10 times what we needed. Now we've been paying on it for 30 years and we won't be through till we're 87 years old. Listen to me, until you reach a point in your life where you can calm down, you're never going to move forward. I don't care what you got to get rid of. I don't care what you got to sell. I don't care. You say, brother, are you telling me to sell it? Yeah, I'm telling you to sell it. I'm telling you to get rid of it. If it's robbing you of calmness, if, if you look at a car out in your parking lot and all you think about is, oh, no, $475 every month. Man, we got to go... If that's all you think about when you look at a blessing in your life, then it ain't a blessing. It's not a gift. It's a burden. And it causes you from the moment you look in your yard that needs to be mowed or your cars you can't pay for or your house you can't afford and and everything else. And you look around and your clothes and like you got to have this and you got to have that and, and, and I need gas and I need... You don't learn to back off from this world. Then when a storm actually comes and you're already running on red, 
And yes, you do hit a curb and a f- your tire pops and now you realize, oh, that cost $175 now for a tire? And I don't have $175 more because I've pretty much budgeted it to the end? And something needs to change. Philippians 4 and 8 shows us this. Let me show it to you in Paul's story. The Apostle Paul is in a ship, not by his own choice. He's there not because he wants to be. But what do you do when after 14 days, there's been no sun, there's been no moon, there's no light. They are in the middle of winter. This is the wrong time to be sailing. They, Paul has done warned them, look, this is not good. We're, pat, we're in danger zone of sailing time now. This is times when storms and, and, and nor'easter and all the, the hurricanes, all the stuff comes up. This is not sailing weather. But they went anyway. And they get caught in such a storm that there is just no way to get out of it. They're just tossed like a cork. The main mass has fallen. That means they've got no power to get anywhere. Be like the, if you've got a motorboat and, and the motor falls off the back of the boat. You're stuck. You're just floating now. That's when the main mass, there's nothing to pull the sails up to. There's no, the main mass has fallen. And the writer says that all hope that we would be saved then was gone. That's a storm. And at that moment, verse 21 of Acts 27 says, after a long absence, the Apostle Paul comes walking up on the deck and he looks at everybody and he says, be of good cheer. What do you mean be of good cheer? Have you not been up here looking? No, I haven't. You ain't been noticing what's going on? No, I haven't been noticing what's I've been going to the place where, that calms me. And the place that calms me is my place of prayer. I just went down below and I just spent some time and just began to pray and say, God, okay, my, my favorite time of life is when I just slow down and I'm with you. And I don't have an answer for it and I don't have a reason for it and I don't know why we're here, but I just know this is that I need you right now. The Apostle Paul has this calming presence. Number two, the second thing you have to learn if you're going to overcome. For me, it could be fishing. For me, walks in the woods, hiking. Let me give you a secret. No noise. It's just i give you a secret. Whatever it is you're going to pick, try no noise. I just go crazy. That's because you're just a rat in the circle, dude. Get off the wheel. Find something that calms you. Some people like to cook. Nothing wrong. If that's, enjoy, if that's not enjoyable to me. But there are people that can just sit in the kitchen and just sit there with recipes and make something. And man, that's, that's just relaxing and calming. Do you know what calms you? And the bigger question is, when's the last time you did a lot of it? 
Number two, you're going to have to learn then to cooperate or to accept or to live with inevitable conditions sometimes. Because I know what you're praying for in the middle of the storm. You're wanting a quick fix so you can get back to life. Let's say we do have that flat tire. We're kind of like praying, God, please, just, just let this work out. Just let, let. We kind of walk into the tire shop hoping, God, just that the tire guy sees a glow on us and he sees such a glow that he looks at us and says, you know, today I'm just going to give you this tire for free. Thank you, Lord. Ain't that what kind of what? It kind of hurts us when he hands us that we've been praying. God, you know I don't have money to pay for this thing. You know I don't have it. And then all of a sudden he hands That'll be $157. And you're like, the devil is a liar. God, I need a miracle. And so in, in your life, number two is realize Paul could not do anything about his situation. You keep wanting the situation to change so you can keep running at the same speed. Paul says, no, I'm not going to be preaching in Philippi this weekend. No, I'm not going to be in Athens. No, I'm going to be on this boat. That's where I'm at. I'm going to be stuck on this boat, and I'm going to have to deal with this situation, and we're going to have to walk this thing out, and, and, and all that's going to have to take place. But here's the thing. There's sometimes I cannot change the inevitability of my conditions. Go with me to Romans 8 and 28. Let me show you. Romans 8 and 28. And we know that all things work together for good to those who do what? It didn't say that we get out of them. It says all things are going to do what? They're going to work together for good. It's not that, that every situation goes away. So you say, Pastor Lott, how do you deal with these, these situations? How do you deal with life? How do you deal with the next phone call? How do you deal with the next surgery? How do you deal with, with, with people's lives? It's, it's simple. First, I understand that when I'm dealing with things is that I've got to be calm. I've got to have a calming presence. I've got to do like Jesus does. I've got to go away for a few days. I've got to get up in the woods. I've got to, I've got to do whatever he had to do. I've got to find my calming place. Jesus was to get away. And, he, and when he got away, then he was ready to come back after it. And when he was able to come back after it, he didn't ignore it. He didn't just say, this isn't real. This isn't true. No, he understood there's a, there's a path that God's got. You think of his entire ministry, Jesus's entire ministry was knowing that for three years he was walking toward his death. What if you, if I told you, okay, starting right now, we're going to start a ministry in town and we're going to work on that for the next three years. We're going to do this ministry. We're going to do this ministry. But here's the thing. In, in three years, we're all going to die. Now let's get to it. How many days would you get up? What's the use? We're not even going to be here. How discouraging would it be? Let me tell you something. You're going to have to learn with the inevitability of life still to press forward. There's some situations you're going to deal with. You're not going to like them. They don't seem fun. They don't seem good, but it's inevitable. You've got to deal with them. My mother-in-law right now is, is almost 85 years old. And, and, and you know what? It's been great all these years, 
but this was coming. That's why some of you parents really need to treat your kids really good because it's coming. It's not going to happen to me. Oh, no, it will. They'll be the one feeding you jello or no jello for you if you treated them bad. Understand it's coming. Inevitability. Does that mean I don't go forward? Does that mean I don't try? Does it mean I don't, I don't work at it? No. Here's what Paul does. Go with verse 22 and 23 again of the book of Acts in 27. Verse 22 and 23 says this. Now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no, law, no loss of life among us, but only the... Now, man, Paul just wasn't good prayer. If Paul would have had real faith like me, I'd have just stayed in there talking to that angel until I finally got... Okay, Tim, we won't let the ship be destroyed either. We're just going to let it just coast into the good. See, Paul just didn't have enough faith. No. Paul had plenty of faith. He had so much that he was able to accept the inevitability of things he could not change. He was able to say, okay, all right, we're going to have to figure this out. Because it's not going to go the way I would want it to. It's not going to go exactly the way I'd like it to. But we're going to get off this thing. God says, I'm going to bring you through. But only the ship will be lost. For there stood by me this night an angel of God of whom I belong. And of whom I do what? I serve. He doesn't serve me. I serve him. There's certain things I can't do anything about. I would love to have done all of all seasons in eight years. I'm 20 something years behind. God said, no, worked just fine. Took every day, took every minute for me to get you to where you are. Took every, God, it's been such a long journey. My knees hurt now and, and my back hurts now. And, 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 and man, to be 40 again, to be 40 again. God's like, you're doing just good. It's the inevitability of your marriage. It's the inevitability of your kids. It's, it's knowing that each step of the way, you've got to deal with it. And you know what? It's probably not going to be as pretty as you think it is. So when I walk into situations... Not only do I say, okay, Tim, you got to be the calmest person in this room. you got to be the person that's, that's got it together. You cannot lose, lose it. If I walk into a hospital room and I walk in and somebody says, well, bro, lot, this is the diagnosis they just gave us. And I just hit the floor and go, oh, no. Don't say it, man. Oh, I don't want to have to preach your funeral. Bro, lot, you can leave. Really? I can't take much more of this. Some of y'all are the same way. Your wives hate to tell you anything. They tell you something, you're going to hit the roof, or you're going to hit the, oh, I can't believe it always. I know that's why I didn't want to tell you. If your maid has to tell you that every often, that's why I didn't want to tell you. It's because you don't have a calming life. 
And if you're always upset for the way things always keep, like nothing ever works out for me, nothing ever goes the way I plan, nothing, if you're always complaining about that, it's because, number two, you're always wanting to change the inevitable conditions of your life. Number three, the third thing you're going to have to do if you're going to be able to look at situations, circumstances, and just say, I don't think so. You're going to have to be able to comfort others who have complaints. See, that takes it to a totally different level. Not only am I supposed to stay calm, not only am I supposed to be the one, guys, whatever goes, we're going to make it. Don't worry. Whatever takes place, we're going to. But now I've got to share that with you. I've got to encourage you. Isn't that, isn't that tiring? Go with me in your Bibles. You say, bro, lot, that's not. Go with me to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 1 and 4. Who comforts us in all our what? Look at the person beside you and say, thank goodness the Lord comforts me in my tribulation. But now if it ended right there, instead of had a comma, we would be in good shape. But it doesn't end there with a period, it's a comma. And here's what it says. That we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves were comforted of God. So that time that I spend in quiet and peace and, and getting all of that, it's not for me to just be able to get it and then go sit on the couch and like, <laughs> I'm glad I feel good. No, I get it, and then I walk out knowing the situation and everything. I may not can change it. I may not can turn it. It's going to take some time. We're going to have to, and, but you know what? We're going to make it, and in that mindset, I turn around to the person beside me who's struggling and, and, and worried, and I say, be of good cheer. The apostle Paul looks at them and says, be of good cheer. Why, Paul? Because I just talked to an angel. What? Yeah, down below, me and him was having a conversation. You've been on the boat too long, Paul. No, I'm, I'm honest. Be of good cheer. It's going to be okay. Go, go with me back to verse 24 of Acts. Verse 24. Saying, do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar, and indeed God has granted you all these who sail with you. That's what he was given. In his calming moment, that's what he was given. In his Bible reading, in his prayer, in his time with others, that's the grace that was given to him. Paul, this is your message. So verse 25 jumps out and says, therefore... You do what? Take heart. Men, for I believe God that it will be just like He If you're going to be a, a father in this world, if you're going to be a mom in this world, if you're going to be a good friend in this world, if you're going to be anything for God in this world, that's what makes Matthew 6 so hard because he says, listen, 
in the middle of all the troubles, in the middle of all your trials, in the middle of everything, forget it all. And whatever I've told you at the moment, whatever I've given you at this moment, whatever I've given you for today, let that be enough. Paul, what's today? You're going to make it. Then let that be enough, Paul. Now, he could have told Paul, Paul, oh, man, I hate to break it to you, but you're going to get snake bit here in a few days. What? Oh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's going to be bad. He doesn't go that. He says, no, no, let's just deal with the boat. Let's deal with what I need to deal with right now. I have one of the biggest flaws I have that I have to fight all the time is that in my personality of dreaming, I can get weeks, days, years ahead. I can get three situations ahead. And sometimes the hardest thing in life is just what is it I need to do right now? I'm notorious for lists that I lose. That's, that's just my personality. Instead of just saying, oh, there's something that needs to be done, it's like, let's make a list. And I got 12 things. Okay, it's lunchtime now. Let's forget the list. Let's go eat lunch. And then, anybody like that? I, get, I can get so caught up in everything that, Tim, I got to get this done. I got to get this done. I got to get this done. Tim, just brush your teeth. And just brush your teeth and let's go. Anybody like that? Life will do it. Storms will do it. And the key to it is being able to say that, you know what? I know how to calm myself. I know that I can't change everything, but it's going to be all right because God's got me. And in the middle of this, my greatest attribute, my greatest quality is to be able to encourage others that they're going to make it with me. In the middle of a storm, are you somebody that others want on a boat? Or are you the one that everybody's worried about, like he's going to freak out? They always do. They don't handle pressure good. They don't handle situations. Listen to me. Storms are coming. And there's others counting on you to be able to be the person you need to be to help them learn how to walk through them. There were over 200 people on that boat that were counting on the Apostle Paul to know that it was going to be okay. Paul's the one that would tell them, let's sit down and get something to eat. You're going to need your strength. Paul was the one when they were going to throw everything overboard, all, all, the, all, all the stuff, even including Paul. And Paul's like, whoa. When some of them decided, hey, we're going we're to sneak over here. We got some dinghies on the side and we'll just kind of sneak off and cut loose from the boat. And Paul told the centurion, look, if they jump off this boat, Paul was confident that what God had said would save the day. Number four. You must be constant then, constant 
to trust God in all your concerns. You must be constant then to trust God with all your concerns. Because in the middle of a storm, they will multiply. From the dinghies that need to go off, to throwing off the, the gear, to, to, to everybody hang on to a piece of wood to survive. We're, there's a lot of things that move, and there's a lot of things that's changing in a storm. Acts 25, verse 25 says it one more time. Acts 27 and 25. Therefore, take. I don't know who you are this morning, what storms you're going through. But I come by to tell you that God's got this. For a lot, I don't see it. It's okay. You don't have to. I've come by to tell you that I've went through enough storms, enough people in here have went through enough storms, and the Christian body has went through enough storms, and you're not the first person to ever go through a trial or ever first person to go through a situation. God's got this. Yeah, but me and my wife, we're not even taught God's got this if you let him. Yeah, but you don't know my kids. They're, they're man. God's got this. Yeah, but I don't know how my life, God has got it. If he clothes flowers and he feeds birds, then you're going to have to settle on the fact that he knows who you are and he's got you. And you're going to have to eventually learn to trust it. Okay, I'll trust it. Well, it's not that simple. There's only one true way to trust it. Praise. Praise is the answer to my question of do I trust? We think it's just, well, I hadn't quit yet. That's not it. Well, I hadn't given up yet. That's not it. Go with me to Psalm 62. And I want to read Psalm 62, 1 through 9 to you. This is David writing about this. And here's what he says. Truly my soul silently waits for God. From Him comes my salvation. For He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense and I shall not be greatly moved. How long will you attack me, attack a man? You shall be slain, all of you, like a, like a leaning wall or a tottering fence. They only... Consult to cast him down from his high position. They delight in lies. They, they bless with their mouth, but they curse inwardly. My soul waits silently for God alone. For my expectation is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense and I shall not be moved. In God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Trust in Him at all times, you people. He, he's done done it for himself. Do you see what happens? David writes this song and he, and he first says, okay, I won't be greatly moved. Because at first he's like, this thing's knocking me around. And the more he talks and the more he writes, the second time he comes around, he says, 
I shall not be. I'm glad he did that because the song wouldn't sound right. We never wrote the song, I shall not be, I shall not be greatly moved. It's I shall not be. But that's not where he started. David started from, I won't be greatly moved. When he starts in the storm, he's like, oh, Lord, man, Lord, I know I'm struggling. I'm, I need to get along with you. I, I need to write about you. And David's safe place and happy place was writing about God and writing music and sitting alone and doing that. And as he was sitting there writing and he started talking about it more and more, by the second stanza he gets around, he said, I shall not be moved. He said he gets so confident now that guess what? As I said about number three, he's ready to help you. He's ready to say, it's not about me anymore. Now I wanna, I wanna pour some of this on you. So what would you say to me, David? Trust in the Lord, Tim, at all times. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Surely men of low degree are a vapor. Men of high degree are a lie. If they are weighed on the scales, they are altogether lighter than vapor. He says, listen, anything else you put before God, you try to put lowly people around you and they say, hey, let's just go have some fun. It won't work. If high-minded people come along and say, we got stuff to help us get out of this, it won't work. He said, I have found out that everything else man brings along, it won't work, Tim. Just put your trust in God. That's what Paul is saying on the boat. At first, he's like, man, the, the main mass is falling. I don't know if we're gonna get out of this. I don't know. I'm just trusting God. But then he goes down below like David writing a song and when he's down there writing his song all of a sudden the angel shows up and said Dave, Paul let me give you a verse to your chorus let me give you a verse to sing to everybody else what is that you're not going to die but you're going to live and not only are you going to live but everybody on this boat's going to be a testimony for what God's doing you got to go to Rome you got to stand before Caesar it's already proclaimed and you start speaking it and start telling it and when Paul comes up, he not only can encourage himself, he's not only ready for himself, but he looks at the centurion and says, I know we weren't supposed to sail. I know all of that. And I could look at you and say, uh-huh, told you. He said, but I ain't got time for that. I'm going to go ahead and tell you how it's going to work out. I'm already going to tell you that I spent some time writing about God and singing about God and spending time with God. And he gave me a word to give all to you. It's going to be all right. We're going to get through it. We're going to make it. It's not going to end here. I don't think so. It's called bad. I don't think so. I don't think so. Go with me to Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. I'll wrap her up. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And those two words are different. Well, I know the Lord's with me all the time. Well, that's great. He's sitting there watching me go through it. That's not what he said. I will never leave you or all the promises that I've given you, Tim, listen to me, I will not forsake you. What I've spoke, I will do. 
what I've said, I'll make it happen. I won't leave you, and I also won't forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? If you want to know how I walk into hospitals, funeral homes, when somebody calls and said, Pastor, I need to talk to you about something, me and my wife or me and my kid or me. How do you do all of that? I have learned the secret of finding calming places in my life. I write some of my best sermons riding a lawnmower. Fixing a fishing pole. Some of the best deep thoughts that God ever gives to me is while I'm just walking through the woods. I find calming places where God can impart something in me. It's going to be all right, Tim. It's going to be okay. I'm able to walk out of those situations and into the real world, not a fake world, not, oh, it's all in our mind. No, it's real. There is real cancer and there is real death and there is real trouble and there's real problems. And I'm able to look at it and say, it's okay. It's okay. It's not bigger than God. God, what, what God spoke to me is bigger than what I'm facing. Bigger than the storm. And if anybody's around, and if anybody's in the room or anybody's in earshot, I get to encourage them with what God encouraged me with. And when I'm able to put all of that together, then I'm able to do the last thing that I must do because if I can't, it won't work. I must praise Him. I must be able to walk through the process and get to Hebrews 13. And I must be able to say, looking at everything and all that there is, I've only got one thing to say. The Lord is never going to leave me. And He's never going to forsake me. And there's nothing that this world or problems or trials can do. My God. My Lord is greater. Will you stand? I don't know who you are today. I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't. I don't know what storms are raging in you right now. Maybe it's spiritual. Maybe it's physical. Emotional. Maybe it's relational. I just know God sent me by today to tell you That if he clothes flowers and he feeds birds, 
And they're here today and gone tomorrow. And don't you let the enemy and don't let you let the devil tell you that God doesn't care for you. That he doesn't care for your marriage. That he doesn't care for your kids. That he doesn't care. He's not just there. But he's working. He has a plan. And if you will just spend some time to get a good glimpse of his plan. And you may not be able to see five months in the future. You may not be able to see five years in the future. But you'll be able to see today. What do I need to do right now for my marriage? What do I need to do right now for my kids? What do I need to do right now for that person I'm worried about? For that relationship that's struggling? Is it going to be hard, Brother Lot? Yeah, it is. It's embarrassing and hard for Paul to walk on the front of a boat and tell people he just talked to an angel and get laughed at by some. To tell them, hey, don't you worry. The ship's going to all break apart. It's all going, but we all, no doubt one person's going to die. What? We're going to have a shipwreck, but nobody's going to die. That's the way God told it to me. It's going to be hard to stand your ground. But that's okay. Because if God said it, that's the way it's going to work out. If He said you're going to make it, then you're going to make it. If He said you're going to make it, you're going to make it. If you're in the sound of my voice right now and you say, Pastor, that's me. And can I tell you, you need to start by finding a calming place. You need to take nothing maybe but your Bible. You need to take nothing but just you and the Bible. And you just need to find a calming place. Whatever that is for you, walking, fishing. It ain't about catching fish that day. It's about the quiet. Take some advice from pastor. Leave your phone in the car. Well, people going, you know, they always going to pick at me. I try to call you. I can, you know, on Sunday mornings, nobody ever cares whether they got a hold of me or not. They're awful glad I studied. If I got up here one Sunday morning and said, you know, I wish I had a sermon this morning, but so many people called me this week. I just was on the phone and playing video games on the phone. And I just, you know, I just didn't get a chance to do that. But I know y'all understand. You'd be like, well, that's pretty sorry. I'm just saying that to say I'm going to get blamed either way. If I'm going to get blamed, I'd rather get blamed for not having my phone and being where God wants me to be. Yeah, they'll get over it. Turn it off. I couldn't get a hold of you. That's exactly right. You couldn't. But God could. And I'm glad I picked the right person to get a hold of me. Let him speak into your life. So that when you walk out of that situation, even if the circumstances don't just change automatically, you still got faith of how it's going to end. And you know it by comforting others and you know it by the praise that's going to come off your lips.
If you're in this room today and you say, Pastor, I need that. I'm facing storms. Then I've given you your answer. I wish there was some altar call I could give for you this morning that would fix it. But this is work. This is real work. It means you've got to leave here today and you've got to plan the time. You've got you to make yourself do it. You've got to decide, I'm doing this. If it takes three or four hours walking around in the woods, if it takes whatever it takes... I'm not going to live just being tossed by this storm. Enough is enough. I don't want to live every day wondering how it's going to end. Jesus ended it by saying this, Seek ye first the kingdom. Seek that first. And all these other things will be given to you. That's what he said. And after all these years, it's still the hardest thing that I have to do. I'd like to, Brother Lot, you're used to it by now. Nobody gets used to it. When, when, When I get a call from Brittany and Logan and they're having to go into surgery this week and 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 put a mesh in her lungs, and and I'm like, God, come on now. And then to walk through it and, and, and to hear the testimony that comes through it, I'm like, wow. Okay, God. See, Tim, you didn't need to file that up. You didn't need to mess that one up. I'm in the middle of it. It's work. But it's the greatest work you ever do. Getting saved is easy. That's all God. That's, man, that's, that's hey, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm really sorry for all I did. Great. Now let's get to work. Well, now that's a little more difficult. It is. But look at the stories that Paul has. Look at the stories that David has. And look at the stories God wants you to have. Father, I've said all I could say. I wish I could just lay hands on people and just give it to them. But the people I'm talking to would tell me, I know the Lord, or I think I do. They would tell me that, you know, I want to do the best. I want to do right. But God, my prayer is that you give them a desire to do the work. To find time, a way to calm themselves. Whatever that looks like. So that you can impart something into them so that even if the circumstances don't change immediately, if the circumstances still are staring them in the face and nothing seems to get better, in fact, it seems like after you say it, it gets even worse. God, give them the confidence that they can share with others what you're up to. And then have the boldness to praise you even in the middle of it. God, if I could give that to my people, if I could give that to my people, what a change we would see in a community, in our families, in our lives. Oh, the miracles that we would get to see.
And I pray that in Jesus' name this morning upon each one of them. Amen and amen. God bless you. Go give that old devil fits. <laughs>